All right, everyone. Thanks for getting to know somebody. Well done. If you want to grab your seat here, if you can find it now, this is a trick. Can you find your seat in the darkness? Uh, so glad you're here. My name is Drew. I'm the uh, pastor here at our uh, community, our community, our Hope Community Church in Columbia Heights location. Uh, and I, I had one more thing I'm excited about. Um, we have been taking our fifth, when there's a fifth Sunday in a month, which happens a few times a year, we've been taking that uh, as an opportunity to have church as a family, as a church family. And so instead of sending uh, uh, the little ones off to uh, do church in the gym and in the nursery, we all stay together. It also is a, uh, it gives a little uh, relief in our uh, all of our children's ministry and volunteers. It takes lots of people to do that. And, uh, and it's just an opportunity to do something a little different. And so it actually recently had happened, and then it just happened to happen again in January. And so next week we have a family worship service. Um, yeah, I love these weeks because we get opportunities to do little different things and sing with the whole church family. And I'm really excited for it. Just so you're aware of that, that's next week, as well as our birthday party, which just works out perfect that we're celebrating two years uh, all together as a family. Um, and Jordan Anderson, who isn't here, uh, he's at our downtown location day, has uh, asked, he's challenged us to play to a game of dodgeball. He thinks on fifth Sundays we should have a little dodgeball game. Uh, he would love to see some adults uh, get hurt, I think. <laughs> and so uh, so we're going do- to have a dodgeball game, which might become a tradition. We'll see if we're all too injured. But um, we're going to have a birthday party and play a little dodgeball in the gym. He was like, we have access to a gym. Why are we not playing dodgeball? Um, so we'll see if he still wants to do that after next week. But we love for all of you to get out there and uh, nothing else you can. If you've always wanted to hit me with a dodgeball, it'll be your opportunity <laughs> to do that. Uh, I'm, I'm excited for that. Uh, I uh, recently, I guess in the last probably year, it's, maybe it's been two. The last few years all feels like one weird, long, and short year. Uh, her story. So a friend was at at um at work, and she got a phone call. Uh, uh, I work. This is like I googled work phone. This looks like everyone's work phone. I think she got a phone call in her uh, in her office, um, and so uh, it said. It, they said, "Hey, uh, uh, we're looking for Doctor Johnson." I'm not going to use real name because I, I didn't ask. Uh, and and she said, "Oh, okay. Uh, well, you called my office, so let me go find them." And she walked out into the hallway uh, and said, "Hey." Uh, is Dr. Johnson work on our floor? And they're like, what? And like, oh, someone called my office looking for Dr. Johnson. And they all were staring at her. What? And she's like, what? And then someone's like, oh, that's funny. Okay, we all know you just got your doctorate. That's real funny. And she's like, oh, oh, it was for me. <laughs> she like had forgot or just, I mean, life had changed. She had just finished her doctorate work uh, and uh, someone was calling, looking for her, uh, and she had forgot that her title was now a doctorate. And the rest of her office kind of thought she was like trying to make them remember that she's now a doctor. <laughs> so they thought she was being not humble, <laughs> uh, and she kind of was. And so then she said she had a moment where she went back to the phone and was like, should I change my voice? And be like, this is Dr. Johnson. Because <laughs> she felt so silly and thinking like, I have a doctorate. I should know that, what my name is. Uh, I love that. I love it. I, maybe you've had that experience in your life where something has changed and uh, you're even being called and you don't realize it's you. I, I remember that in marriage uh, when I got married, 
my wife, it took a little while for people to, for her to like hear Mrs. Zulke. That was a weird name. So she'd like get over and get used to having that last name. But I remember her saying like, people would say, hey, Mrs. Zulke or Mr. Mrs. Zulke. And it was kind of like, is that Drew's parents? Uh, or maybe that's just happened in a place like maybe you have a nickname and you go back home for a holiday and everyone calls you by your nickname. We have that in our family. Uh, I know who, who uh, different stages of my father-in-law's life because of what they call him. If they call him Kenny. I know that they knew him when he was like little. <laughs> if they call him Kenneth, there's a certain season of life. If they call him Ken, I know they knew him in a certain place. There's this, uh, uh, I think there's times where, it, in that story, right, just uh, it's just because of, uh, of that moment change and she was getting used to that and also probably didn't really expect people to say doctor um, to her. But I think in a, in a maybe realer, deeper way, we feel that often, right? We don't even necessarily know what to call ourselves or what our identity is or, or who we are. There's a question, maybe not in a grand scale you're saying, who am I? But there's lots of moments you're like, who, who am I? Or, or like, I don't know who I am or who do I want to be? This question of identity is such a core question and a question uh, that also we are questioning about ourselves. Am I really the person I say I am or people say I am or can I be the person people want me to be? Who am I? And we are starting a series in Ephesians. Um, and this is a huge question and a huge answer in this book of who we are, really who God is and who we are. And so today we're going to look right into that. We're going to start talking. What does it look like to find our identity, who we are um, in Christ? And so uh, last week we got to look a little bit uh, just at a general idea of, of what is this book of Ephesians. This guy named Paul, we think, wrote it uh, and wrote it to people in a church in the city of Ephesus. And he was probably in, a, in Rome at the time uh, and wrote it and got these letters back to this church in Ephesus and this whole even region in Ephesus of churches. that He had been there for a few years helping plant churches and start uh, communities there of believers. And he was writing a letter back to them to remind them of these great truths. And so we get that letter. Um, 2,000 years later, we get to read this letter that he sent to these churches to encourage them and be encouraged ourselves, remembering that this city they sent it to was really a thriving city, one of the uh, a respected city, a center of commerce and religion. Uh, it had one of the largest temples in the world in it to Artemis. People went there for religious purposes to just buy things, to start new lives. It was diverse and, and bustling uh, in the ancient world. And so he writes this letter to these people in this place. Uh, and today we get to read it and be reminded of these things. So we're going to start today. We're actually going to read uh, Ephesians uh, 1. So if you have a Bible, if you'd like to read along or all the words will be up here on the screens. We're going to read Ephesians 1, 3 through 14, this first like piece of the book of Ephesians. Um, and we're actually going to sit in this piece for a few weeks here uh, and look at it a couple different ways to really unpack and kind of soak in this uh, part. Um, this this um, part of Ephesians 3 through 14, we think is, it, not think, it is actually like one long sentence. It's like one long, almost poetic song of praise of who God is. And w- when I read it here in a moment, you might feel that as you read it. It's like just this run on, like, there's all this incredible stuff, God, you've done and that you've done in us. So we're going to read it, understanding this just one big opening to this letter. Remember who this God 
is praise be to this God. And so let's read this together. See Ephesians 1. You can listen along. Uh, all, this, all of it will be right here on the screen. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined for us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ. To be put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who are the first to be put to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of our salvation, when you believed you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. That was a lot. You, I was trying to kind of do it one breath. No chance. Just one. But uh, could you imagine what's like music swelling? This like, there's all these big words in here. Maybe there's moments you got lost. You're like, what is that supposed to mean? What is that word? Um, I felt, it feels very, uh, maybe it's spiritual or uh, like church words. Uh, and we're hoping we're going to unpack this. And, uh, but, but I want us to be encouraged by it. It's a passage that you could probably read over and over and over and every time go like, oh, I didn't see that. I, di- I didn't see that. It's really dense. Um, and that's our hope is to take three weeks to unpack this and really see some things that are really important to it. This is one of my favorite passages, like uh, chunks of scripture uh, in all of scripture because it often encourages me and it re- kind of refocuses me. It gives me like a, almost like a compass. It gives me a direction again, a true north. This is who God is, and this is who we are. Interesting, it's only, it, it's only these few verses from 3 to 14, but it says a lot of the same things in different ways. So it really says a lot about who God is. In fact, if you look here, just G- Jesus being referenced over and over again. Just all these times, Jesus Christ and him and him and him, the one he loves in Christ uh, in him, over and over, it's Jesus is referenced. Also, God the Father is referenced all over the place in this. In just those few verses, it's just soaking in. This is who God is, and this is who Christ is. This is really the whole Trinity. And even in the end, we hear about the Holy Spirit coming, being this inherit, this deposit with us. So the whole Trinity is mentioned here, like all of God in his three persons over and over in just these few verses. Not often in, in Scripture necessarily see just over and over the same. It's about Jesus. It's about God and what he's Doing And of course, in here also, we are mentioned. Us, 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 <laughs> you. Um, and so it's over and over again telling us of the story of who God is, why he has sent Christ, how he's left us with the Holy Spirit, and then ultimately because of who he is and his identity, who we are. And that's what is, is hopefully going to encourage us, maybe challenge us a little bit. Um, in Ephesians 11.1, or 1.11 here, in the message translation, it's written by Eugene Peterson, 
he says, this is how uh, 111 goes for him. It says, it's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. For me, that really is a passage that kind of sums up this whole, this whole piece of uh, Ephesians 1, 3 through 14. In Christ, we find out who we are and what we are living for. So what our identity is and what does that look like as we live? And so we're going to take these three weeks uh, and unpack this phrase, I'm okay in Jesus. This is a phrase that um, Pastor Steve, who's a founding pastor of Hope, our senior pastor, uh, he loves this phrase. This is a phrase often if I'm sitting with him and we're talking or I'm just like kind of spiraling maybe and like, I don't know, what's, what is the world? What's happening? Am I okay? He will like, as a, a good friend would, he'll say, Drew, you're okay in Jesus. And it, uh, I think, yeah, thanks. And then I cry sometimes. <laughs> it's like in a moment, I go, yeah, 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 I know, I know. And he goes, no, do you like, do you know what that means? And so we're going to take the next three weeks to look at the parts of this. So we're going to look at the I'm in. So today we're like, what does it mean to be in Christ? Why is that really important? We're going to look at the okay, meaning what is okay? What is the blessings that come? This passage has a list of many blessings uh, that come. So I, I'm in Christ. And then what's the okay part? What's the blessing, the okayness that Jesus brings? And then lastly, Jesus. How really this passage is this great uh, a poem, this great song to the, the glory of God. He, you're in Christ and he has blessed you and that is so glory can go to Jesus. But today we're going to start with this. I'm, I'm in uh, and uh, in, in a systematic theology in the church, we will call this, it's like a big, uh, a big category, this union with Christ, being in Christ. So what does it mean and why is this important? It's actually a foundation of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And we see this all over in this uh, this piece of scripture, that we're in Christ, that we're in him, that it's through Jesus, that it's in the one that he loves, that's in him, that it's in Christ, it's in him, it's in Christ, it's in Christ. These statements of blessing come with, these are because you're in Christ. It's been through Christ. You're uh, in the presence of him. You're connected to him. There's a union with this Christ. There's actually 164 occurrences of this in Christ phrase in scripture. And 36 of those come in Ephesians. This book of Ephesians this is one of the main themes, this being in Christ. What does it look like to be connected with him and union with him? Uh, it's really a central, if not the central motif or uh, uh, theme here in the book of Ephesians. Now what this means is not that we like hang out with Jesus, that he's like uh, one of our buddies, that you say like, hey, you roll with Jesus, uh, we, we do, but it, it's, it's not just that he's like the leader of our religion. Like, oh, you go to that thing where Jesus like teaches seminars. It's not just that he's like a religious guru who knows a lot that I happen to be following now. There's something like very real and a very deep spiritual level that happens here. That we have this union, this binding together with Jesus, that we're locked together with him. It's, it's really important that, that we're locked together and that the things that happened to Christ, his death and his, his resurrection and his ascending are things that we're connected with him. He's bringing us with, with him. He, we're unified to him. In the book of Hebrews that we went through recently, uh, this comes up over and over, and there's even a passage in there that we talked to, we, we saw this, we imagined that we're connected with Jesus. Actually, he like pulls us and brings us 
to the heavenly places with him. It's something we're even going to hear here in this passage. That, that the reason we have access to the, to the inner temple and to the, the inner workings into the presence of God is because Christ has, has connected us and brought us with him, that we're in him. We see this play out in uh, lots of things we do in the church. This is a foundation of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And one of the places we see this is in baptism. In Romans 6, it explains it. This Romans 6 is a response to someone to hearing Christ has died on the cross for your sins. You have turned from God. You've been disobedient to God. There's a disconnect with him. There's a brokenness in that relationship. And Christ has come and died on a cross so that you would not die and, and uh, spiritually, and that you could be with God. He's made that relationship right. He's risen to defeat death, and you get to be in that. It's not just you were in trouble, and Jesus came and like took the penalty, but you were like unified with him. He took you with him, and that's what this passage is saying. So then, if Jesus died so that my sins were forgiven, I should just keep sinning because now He just keeps getting glory for like all those sins, right? I should just keep sinning, and so that's where Romans six kind of comes. It says, "What shall we say then?" Should we go on sinning so that grace may increase? So this grace increases, this free gift that we've been given of, of forgiveness. Uh, so you're like, oh, should we keep sinning? Because then Jesus gets more glory because he died for even more sins. And they say, no, you're not, you're, not seeing, you're not seeing the union with Christ. Should we go on sinning so that grace may increase? In verse 2, by no means. No, 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 no. Because this is what it looks like. We are, we are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who are baptized into Christ, Jesus, there's that in Christ, we're baptized into his death, and we are therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may have a new life. Do you hear that? So he's saying, no, because that would mean like there's not a connection there. There's not a union there. No, what happens is Christ comes and, and like, connect is with us, right? Is, is unified us. He goes under and when he goes and, and dies, goes into the tomb, you're, you're d- dying with him. And when he raises from the dead, you're raising with him. And so when we have baptisms, when we put people under the water and they come out of the water, that's not doing anything, but that's reminding us that we have went under and died and come up with Christ and been raised. For if we've been united with him in death like this, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. That's good news. For we know that our old self has, was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. So should I keep going on sinning? No, because that's not who you are anymore. Because you are now united with Christ. You like abide with Christ. And so you have died to that. You're a new person. You came out of the water. And you're a new person. Jesus came out of the tomb, resurrected, and you came out of that tomb with him. So your sins were forgiven. Death has no power over you. And you're not the person anymore who wants to be ruled by sin. You've been changed. You've been called a new creation. And so we see this in this act of baptism. This is a recent baptisms at our downtown location. Uh, in our sweet horse trough there. The person right gets, there's this moment where they, right before they go under the water, and they get under the water, and they're under that water in that symbol of being put in the tomb, unified with Christ, and then they raise out of the water. 
and they are uh, symbolizing that great new life, their new person. This is one of my favorite photos from that baptism. Um, this is Deshaun, and he, uh, uh, I recently saw him. He was on his way to a class. He was taking an LDI class, and I, we ran into each other like in a hallway. He was going to class. I said, what are you doing? Uh, I saw, actually, right, I said, I saw that picture of you coming out of the baptism. Like, you're like, you see the splash coming off his back? Uh, this Pastor Davis is giving him a hug. And uh, look at the look on his face, right? There's this moment, he comes out of there and there's a splash of water. He's just been, he's just symbolically been dead and he's come alive. I said, oh, it's so fun to see you in a class. And he said, oh, six months ago, I, I can't believe I'm coming to take a class about the Bible. I'm spending a night of my week in a room with people studying the Bible. Like, this is wild to me. And I said, I, it is wild. I love it. And uh, he said, I, I'm just like a new person. I, I, don't, I don't have like the same desires. I want to know God's word so much that I'm going to take a few hours of my week to get together with people and study scripture because I just want to know God. It's like I, I become a new person. Uh, you have. It's not like a, it's not a theoretical like, oh, it's kind of like you did this like, this ceremony to get into this club and now you get to hear like the lectures from this Jesus guy. He's this like cool guru. You have been unified with him. Like your, your heart has changed and your life has changed. Your mind has changed. It's a different thing. I think of the cults that existed in Ephesus at this time. It was very popular. They, had these, they called them mystery cults. There were groups of people who had a kind of a person who, um, whether they were worshiping like the emperor or different or different gods or sins, even just that person, uh, that is mystery cults where you had to do all these uh, kind of rituals and ceremonies to get in. And once you uh, accomplished enough things and did enough work, then you got to all these mysteries were revealed to you, and you like then knew how the world worked. Um, I gotta think that's the reason why some of this language is in this book. Of uh, these mysteries have been revealed to us. There's not something we had to do. We didn't have to go through the ceremony of baptism because then now we're allowed to hear us, uh, uh, this. We were already, we were given the, the mystery that Christ has done the work and that we just need to say yes to Jesus and then we're okay in him. And so we get to see this uh, as, as we're joined with Christ. Um, Klein Snodgrass, which might be my all-time favorite like theologian name uh, and should be like a Harry Potter character if it's not yet. Klein Snodgrass. I just love saying it. He like looks like what I think he's going to look like. I just love it so much. Uh, he writes this great commentary. It's been encouraging to me in Ephesians. But he says this, awareness of the presence of God and of living in Christ are the keys to all of life. This idea of being in Christ is, is really foundational. We, we have to get here. This is why we're spending a week here and not just jumping. We're saying just let's remember this is a true. People sin because they forget God. How strange that we forget the place we live. If we know we live before God and in Christ, we know we live in a defining presence. Our lives become a, determined by the character of Christ and God. If one lives in Christ, however, Christ is that person's environment. Yeah, it's different. That's not, it's not just like a person we hang out. This is like the world we live in is Christ. Christians must live out their environment out of an inner definition that becomes from being in Christ and empowered by his spirit. So he's saying this is so foundational that it's not just Jesus has good things to say or I'm thankful he's over there and he died for me and like 
lets me come in. We're, we're connected to him. Really, we live in, he's like our home. We're, we're there. We are living within him. This is one of my, like, this is one of my favorite places in the world. This is uh, like our little living room in our house. And that's Frank. Frank makes me feel warm and cozy. And we, uh, we moved into our house. And for a couple of years, we had this like uh, fireplace, this wood-burning stove that's inserted into this fireplace. And when we bought our house, we were told like, that doesn't really work. And you don't ever want to have real fires in your house. And so we didn't. But I grew up in a house where we had like, we burned wood. And I remember how cozy it was. And so we had a day where I'm like, I'm going to call a, a chimney sweep guy. And he came and inspected. And he's like, it's good to go. You should burn stuff in here. And we have burned stuff in there. <laughs> a lot of stuff. There is nothing uh, like sitting on a negative five day, burning some wood, the heat coming out of there, reading a book. This is a picture of me reading a book. Someone texted me and said, how are you, you doing today? And this is, I just texted him back this picture. <laughs> I'm sitting with my dog, reading a book by the fire. It's warm. Like I'm like sweating in this room of my house. Uh, it, you smell it. It smells like a little bit like, like campfire. It's just perfect. It feels safe and warm. I, I don't know. There's like a, I just feel like it, it fits. Like I'm in the right place. I love it. And that's just like a hint of this feeling of being at home, that we really are at home in Christ, that he's built this home that we get to live within, and that's who defines us. That's what changes us. Snodgrass is saying, hey, this is what changes all, all of your life. You think, I, I wish I could be more like this or do this thing. It's not you trying harder. It's this being within Christ that changes who you are first and foremost. And so in Ephesians here, uh, in the first part where it says, who has who's blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ, for he chooses him, this part, before the creation of the world, to be holy and blameless in his sight. You might read this and go, okay, we're supposed to be holy and blameless. I got to work harder, do better. I, I got to make sure God is like, hey, that guy is doing everything right. And then I get to be in Christ. Then he lets me in. I got to, do all the right things, and I get to be in the mystery cult. I get to be in. And we forget kind of the order. We start with understanding Christ has done the work so that we can be unified with him and in him. And out of that comes a holy and blameless life, a life that looks a lot more like Christ because we are in Christ. This isn't uh, a thing. Uh, I think that just Paul, or we hear all over scripture, uh, it's a thing that Christ says to us himself. In John 15, uh, he, he gives this great picture of this. He says, I am the vine. This is Jesus himself. I am the vine and you are the branches. He's the, he's the trunk, right, that these branches grow off of. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. It's a pretty bold statement. Jesus is saying, without me, you can do nothing. We're actually going to hear in Ephesians in chapter 2 that we were dead that Christ raised us to life. So if we're unified with him because we were dead. There was nothing that we could do. But if we're in him, we can bear fruit. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. If we're not in him, we're disconnected from him. Such branches are picked up, thrown in the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is 
This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Jesus says this before Ephesians is written. It's written about him. And he's really summing up this exact thing we just read in Ephesians. He's saying, hey, in me comes fruit. That's what comes blessing. That's what comes loving people well, caring for people well, being that person you want to be, having that humility you want to have, that joy and that peace that comes, even in the midst of like, deep suffering in the midst of uh, uh, another year of hearing more numbers being so high in, in people getting COVID, in mental illness, probably being so high of, of the weariness of where you're working and in your home, of talking to, to friends who are in schools and hearing just the weariness. They're just like running on fumes, whatever fumes of fumes are. This is where there can still be fruit, there can still be joy and peace knowing that, that we are in Christ and that, that Christ is still going to come back and make things right. And so when Eugene Peterson writes in the message, as he translates Ephesians 1.11, he says, it is in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. He's saying really just what Jesus has said. When we are in him, our foundation, when we, when we said yes to Jesus, we believe in what he's done. We put our faith in him. We are united with him. We're in union with him. And then we find out who we are. And we find out what we are made to do. So we say, hey, what is life? What's the purpose of life? What's the purpose of who, who am I? That, that's where it comes. That's where it is. And not only I think I can miss, so this, this is incredible, and I can see this, and I can go home and say, I'm going to open my Bible. Yes, Jesus, who am I? What does your word say I am? Who do you say I am? There's all these other words that define me. That's the foundational word that defines me. And I can keep thinking like, well, who is Drew and what is Drew? We don't want to forget the other part of this that's really incredible, that we're not alone in this. The same language is used in 1 Corinthians 12. Just as a body through one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, and so it is with Christ. We all are in Christ. So not only does this bring us in union with him, but it brings us in union with him. We are together and then therefore brings us in unity. Together if we're all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, we're all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, that body is not made up of one part, but of many. So we have many parts that all come together in Christ are unified in him. It's incredible. This is what brings us together. And so not only am I okay in Jesus, friends, as a church, we're okay in Jesus. That's important because this still isn't just about me coming to get like information from Jesus and him change my life, but him come with all of us to Jesus and him bring us together. And it might even change how you define the person you're sitting next to or the person you're serving with here um, and your neighbor. So as we kind of end our time, just just to continue thinking through, I want us to assess a little bit of what this union with Christ might mean. And I want to do that just by you filling in some blanks. We'll do some just short answer questions here. I'll keep, they're real short, and they should be pretty easy. I want to ask you, like, how you'd fill in some of these phrases. I'm a blank. It's the first thing that comes. Like, this is where this is really hits the road. Like, the, this is really where, where real life gets connected to this union with Christ. I'm a what? All day long, 
just gets filled in, right? With things, uh, whether it's a, I'm a parent, I'm a spouse, I'm a friend, I'm a coworker, I'm a failure, I'm a winner, I'm a cold person, <laughs> I'm right. Or maybe some of these other things. I wish I was a. We might spend some time in our day thinking about this part of our day. I wish. I was a, how often is that a phrase? I see some, I wish I was just that person. I wish I was a better this. Or I could never be a this. All these words, right, are, are, are filling in this, like almost a bucket of our identity. I'm terrible at what? Depending on your personality, maybe where your day, how your day is going. Some of these might come up. You might be thinking often about your ter- what you're terrible at, and what defines you. Maybe other people are telling you what you're, terrible at or what defines you. And so we fill all of these other words into our identity and and those words really become what shapes us and who we are. And that's the fruit we bear is what those things shape us to be. Rather than often, I think, in my life, the first foundational, the thing, the place I live, the home I live in, in Christ, the place I abide, when I'm in and he's within me, this this intimate connection, the one who has brought me life when I was dead, is is very slow to come. Often many days does not come as uh, an answer to anything. What would it look like to be a person? What would it look like in our lives if being in Christ, in him was our foundation of our identity? And not just that, but what would it look like if we saw those around us as image bearers of God who were created to be in Christ. Because I, I, I spend some time thinking about who I am or identifying myself with lots of things that uh, brings lots of fruit that I don't want to see or maybe, uh, maybe some fruit I want to see. But I also spend a lot of time thinking about identifying others. They are, just the tone of my voice, oh, they are such blanks. Oh, they're so great. Or why aren't they? Maybe just even why aren't they more like me? Why aren't they more Drews? Why aren't there more Drews? I actually don't say that often. <laughs> uh, I don't think many people do. But uh, I, I really want you to consider what, what are the words. Maybe there's a week to consider what are the words I'm using to define myself. I think if we took categories, if we took like note of that, we would find a lot of things we define ourselves as and how much that creates fruit and overflow uh, and how much maybe the overflow and fruit that we're seeing that we're trying to change is actually out of uh, uh, not a belief, not an understanding that we're actually in Christ. So I'm going to welcome our worship uh, uh, duo up here again, our team up, because we're going to spend some time singing. This is why we gather, to remind ourselves that we're okay in Jesus, to remind ourselves that we're in Christ, to remind myself I didn't rescue myself, and to remind myself that I'm okay, I'm at home, I'm safe, I'm in Christ, and, and I'm okay. So a couple questions for us to consider as we reflect. We're going to take some time to reflect and sing. Some Together we'll take an opportunity to take communion. So not only baptism is an opportunity we remember, like symbolically this death and resurrection, but we take communion every week to remember this, that we're in Christ, to remember that Jesus died, his body was broken, that his blood was shed, and he did that with us so that we could have life in him.
That's so every week communion's an opportunity to declare, I'm in Christ. And I, I have a name and I have a job and I have uh, a lot of adjectives that define my identity. But this one, as I eat this, this wafer and I drink this grape juice, reminds me that this is first and foremost my home in Christ. So a few things to consider. Are you in Christ? Today's a great day to say, I, I want to say yes to Jesus. Maybe where does your identity usually come from? What are the things around you that are telling you who you are? Um, it's helpful just to take a little inventory of that. And how do those things shape you? How do they control your actions or emotions? And always, who are the people that remind you of your identity in Christ? Do you have people that do that? Are there people who remind you that you're in Christ? It's okay. Uh, we need those people. How can we be those for one another? Let me pray for us, and we'll take some time to worship. Uh, there's communion out uh, outside outside the doors here, um, and please feel free to do that. I think we're singing a couple songs. Uh, feel free to take communion. There's also people in the back of the room that want to pray for you. And so if you need someone just to pray, you don't need to say anything. You just walk up and say, I'd like prayer. They'll pray for you. Or if you have specific things there, uh, there and willing uh, and want to pray for you. So take advantage of that as well. Um, and then, uh, you know, we'll worship here. Let me pray as we keep worshiping Jesus. Lord, thank you for your goodness your kindness towards us, that you would take me and you would die and raise from the dead. You defeat death and sin and you take me with you. So I am new. And now that I'm in you, it's incredible. I pray we could just rest in that really good truth today. That would not get lost in us. It wouldn't just be assumed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true, but we would just own that, Lord. I pray in our hearts that you would stir that in us, that you encourage us in that. I thank you that we are okay in you. I pray our church would be unified in that, in you. That other things would not divide us, but that would be what holds us together here. I pray those who are hurting, just tired, weary, that we could rescue, that we could sit, in your warmth and comfort and you could heal us. It would come from that in you, our identity in you and not other things. We love you, Lord. Thank you for your goodness and your kindness and your love towards us that you've called us your brothers and sisters. We pray this in your really good name. Amen.